All right. It's great to be here. And yeah, we look good, don't we, Tom? <laughs> I told Carmen when I was getting dressed to come tonight and I was in my closet, I was like, the flannel was sitting there. I was like, I got to wear the flannel for Tom's church. So this, this is the flannel church. Amen. <laughs> it's a God color. It really is. Is it okay if I bring this down? No, seriously. Um, first of all, before we do anything else, I want to thank the Lord for this church, for your pastors, and for you. Because we can't do anything in Nicaragua, even get on a plane to go there without your help, without your prayers, without your support. You make it possible. You do. And we are thankful and we love you guys. I mean, like Pastor Tom said, from almost the beginning of this church... Yeah. You guys have been on board with us and supporting us. You may not even have known that. And to be honest with you, it came at a time where we needed it the most. It really did. Um, so, you know, God, God's timing's perfect, and we are, we are so blessed. And the offering in October, the generous offering you guys gave, um, was another on-time gift. We had to raise $15,000 for our Christmas project. It was the biggest one we've ever done. And it was coming into the end of October, and we still needed about $10,000. And up until actually about four days before we were supposed to leave, we still needed $6,000. But the Lord came through, as always, and uh, we're, we're blessed. We really are. And, you know, I was telling Tom before service, you know, the Lord keeps growing the ministry. And, you know, new opportunities are always around the corner. There's so much to do, and doors are opening. And at first, Carmen and I were like, well, we need to pray about that. Let's wait and see what the Lord here uh, or says to us. And finally, after a little bit, the Lord just spoke to us. Just, just say yes. When the opportunity comes, just say yes. Then it's my problem. It's not yours. You say yes, walk through the door, and I'll provide. And that fits right in with my, with my message tonight that the Lord gave, gave for me, for you, um, that we limit God so many times. We really do. And uh, we're just thankful. We are. You know, our testimony is God has... A lot of of ordinary people, but they all have an extraordinary calling that serve him. So every single one of you has an extraordinary calling. And this church needs you. They can't do this by themselves. They need you. This community needs you. We may be called to a foreign nation, but your, your mission feels right outside these doors. Right outside these doors. And uh, we're thankful for this church. Go ahead. And do you want to say... I do want to say that um, you guys are reaching Nicaragua as well. Like, um, you know, you guys have sown there. You guys are going to meet these people um, either in person when you come to Nicaragua. <laughs> We're believing that um, you guys are going to bring a team someday. You know, we want you to see what you're sewing into. And, um, I mean, you can see it on video, but it's not quite the same as being there and touching and smelling these children and just hugging them. So um, it's, it's amazing. But... Um, God is, I, I believe with all my heart that when you get to heaven, there's going to be people that say thank you. And you're, you're just going to be like, and, you know, that's why I'm here. I was changed because of you, because you decided to sow, because you decided to give. And, you know, um, Chris and I, you know, God scares us all the time. He just really does. And, you know, I mean... We're like, is this us? There's no way this is us because we couldn't, we would never just throw this number out there and, you know, that would not be our goal. It just wouldn't. Our goal would be down here somewhere. Like, oh, yeah, we can get that pretty easy. But God always stretches, you know, the number, like, and scares us to death. But he provides it, too. And he shows us who he really is. And so thank you. Thank you for your giving. And thank you for your faithfulness to this church and this community because they need you. And wherever you're at, whether you're at the drive through at McDonald's or in this church or at school, at work, people are watching your life. Just sow and invest into people. And that's all God's called us to do. So we love you. Amen. 
you don't do nowhere. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm gonna. Uh, what, I, what, what we're gonna do is we're gonna update you on the Christmas project, the ministry, um, the things that have happened recently, and where we're going in the future, so you can have a good idea. We do have a video we're gonna play in a minute um, that is pretty cool. Uh, Colton, our middle son, he is studying video and photography, and uh, he does a really good job. And um, it, it's it's one of those things where I lack big time, but Colton does, he's got, he's got a gift for that, that uh, the Lord's using him, and I sweat a lot. I know it's 12 degrees outside, but I sweat, so if you see me up here sweating, just don't, don't be alarmed, I'm okay, I promise. He's not <laughs> yeah, you ought to see me in Nicaragua when it's 98 degrees. <laughs> so, like a melting snowman. <laughs> I, I really am. All right, so let's start off with some testimony. You guys gave and provided for 1,200 kids to have Christmas in Nicaragua. 1,200. And you did that. When we normally do our Christmas project, we usually focus totally on the kids. Um, we work in, in 10 public schools, and we are ministering the gospel to those kids in, a, in, a, in the public school system. Kids that we are preaching the gospel. God has given us such favor in the public school system in Nicaragua. And normally their school year ends at the end of November. So we have a big party. We buy pinatas, all kinds of candy, which you guys were part of that. 21, 21 pinatas? Yes. 21 pinatas. I don't even know how many pounds of candy. It, it was a lot. And, uh, <laughs> but... Um, normally, all the money we raise for Christmas is going directly to the children. But this year, we had a staff meeting, and you, some of you may or may not know, Nicaragua is in a major crisis right now. Uh, the people have risen up. They're fighting for their freedom. It's very similar to what's going on in Venezuela and Syria, um, Venezuela more clo closely. Um, but they're trying to overthrow the government, the dictator. And many, many innocent people have died fighting for their freedom, just protesting. They're not even allowed to go out in the street and hold up a sign that says, I want to be free, or they'll be shot. I mean, it's that simple. They're not saying anything else other than walking out in the street saying, we want to be free. We want this to be a democracy. And there's snipers shooting them. And um, unfortunately, there's been a ton of people missing, thrown in jail, and because of all this, this crisis going on, uh, tourism has went to nothing. A lot of the missionaries have pulled out. The Mormon church had, I think, over 300 missionaries in the country. Every single one of them are gone. They pulled The Mormon church pulled every single missionary out um, of the country. Uh, missionaries in our town, we were close with probably about eight families, missionaries from the United States, um, most of them Pentecostal missionaries preaching the gospel were Baptists. And um, I think there's three left, three, three left. So, and um, unfortunately, that's why we're here. Uh, we were denied residency two years ago, and we were kind of forced to come back um, from living there full time, but we're still back and forth. And the greatest thing is the Lord has given me a team, a team of Nicaraguans, people that are boots on the ground. We have a staff of 12 people. So even though we're here, we meet with them via FaceTime every single week. We're wiring money when we're not there, and we are coming up with a game plan every single week. And we have 12 Nicaraguans that have been called to assist us and have caught the vision, just as Tom and Beth have people in this church that have caught the vision, and they're going to run. We can't do it alone. We need them. And to be honest with you, we're doing exactly what the Lord called us to do. We discipled 12 people. Huh. Number 12. And that's what we, you know, when we were there, that's what we told them. We said, kind of like our 12 disciples, right? And they, they got a kick out of that. But seriously, we are discipling them, a smaller number, and they're going to reach their own country, you know, their own people. So um, it, it took a lot of adjusting and different things, but God's really, He's been good and He's blessed us. So our staff meeting, after we normally spend all the money on the kids in the schools. Um, we asked our staff, what's the greatest need right now? And they said food. They said the people, people are starving. There's no work. Um, nobody has any money for food. Grandmas, grandpas, moms and dads are going three days without food just so the kids can eat every day. 
So we decided to take a third of the money coming in and spend that on the kids. We took two-thirds and decided to go and buy as much groceries and toiletries and laundry soap, shampoo, all the household needs you can think of. We took two-thirds of the money and bought as much as we could for as many families. And because of your giving, we were able to give 500 families over a week's worth of food, over two weeks' worth of food. So, and that's because of what you're doing. So, we thank you very much. We do. Um, you know, normally we, we, we go house to house and pray over people. We weren't able to do that this year um, because the government would think we're terrorists and trying to raise up the, uh, the opposition against the government. So, we had to kind of outsmart them a little bit. They said as long as you're doing what you've always done and not doing anything out of the ordinary, they'll leave you alone. And when I say they, the government, the national police. So we've always worked in the, in the schools. We have for the last five and a half years. So we decided, well, we'll just get all the kids to invite their families to the school. So the day we had the Christmas parties, we had all the moms and dads outside lining up, and we were doing a prayer line and praying and giving them their gifts while we were doing the end of the school party. So it worked out great, and uh, we were really blessed. I just want to say... Um, it was so powerful. You know, I will say that they don't respond like we do here in America um, to um, when God is moving. Um, they are so um, trained right now to be terrified for their lives and to step out of line um, that they don't even walk around with expression on their face anymore. Okay? So... Um, they, I mean, you'll see these videos. Some of them had such joy, and that is so unusual for right now because, you know, you'll see them in the street, and they won't even smile and say hi anymore because they don't know who's on their side and who's not. I mean, it's kind of like when the Vietnam War was, you know, they, there was kids that would approach the soldiers with ill intent. And they, you know, they weren't sure if they were on their side or against them. So that's the way it is in Nicaragua right now. I actually got caught in a couple of situations myself. And um, we used to minister to the police in our home. Like, we would have 20 police just stop by. And I'm thinking, our neighbors are going to think we are always in trouble. You know, always. Always in trouble. The, oh, you know, 20 police at our door regularly. and um, But they leave with smiles on their face. You know, um, but that was before. Right now, those are the same police that are just shooting people, and it's it's really a scary thing. And um, but those police, they were having this big rally. Um, me and Jefferson, who is now our um, direct direct assistant director, sorry. Um, we were going to go to the store and get a couple things. We had his aunt make us food and bring it to the hotel so it was safer. And then we realized there were some things missing that we needed to add um, to the food. So we went just not very far down the road. You know, it would be like going from here down to a couple of houses down there. Um, anyway, so not too far. But we were walking, and all of a sudden, this big political rally started. And I was caught in the middle of it, and I just sat down. I was like, I don't know what to do, so I just, I just sat on the side of the road. And, um, you know, the police started driving by, and I would not make eye contact. I was like, I'm just not going to make eye contact. You know, I'm just going to mind my own business. And... Uh, you know, Jefferson's like, Carmen, Tia Carmen, did you, did you see? They were like smiling and waving at you. And I was like, I don't know because I wasn't looking at them. And, and the guy behind us was like, I thought they were waving at me, but I don't know them and I don't even like them. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm, I'm terrified of them. They probably just want to take my life. And I was like, and Jefferson explained, she used to hold these police in her house and minister and pray with them. We would have coffee and tea and cookies together, and um, we would tell them about the Lord. Um, but anyway, so I, I wasn't terrified. I just decided I wasn't going to put myself in a bad situation. And so we went on 
around like six blocks around just to go to where we were going we went the opposite way in the like a huge detour and um you know detours seem really long but we went and got what we needed we came out and it was right there in front of us when we come out like they're parading in front and i'm like i'm, I'm crossing the street i'm done with this and i just crossed the street while i crossed in front of that same police truck and their windows were down, and they're like, Carmen, they're yelling my name. The police are yelling my name. And they're like, Carmen, Carmen. And I'm like, what do I do? Because these people, okay, there's a few people in the park. I've got a ministry shirt on. Everyone knows our ministry in Madagapa. And, um, sorry. And so everyone knows our ministry in Matagalpa. Um, they know who we are mostly. And... So the people that were in the park waiting for their bus were waiting to see what I was going to do. And I turned around and I said, hola, amigos. And the people in the park mocked me. They, they said, hola, amigos. Like, because, oh, the police are your friends? Well, they're not ours. They're against us. So why would you want to love them? Because Jesus loves them. And, you know, I have to love everybody, even my enemies. And I don't consider the police my enemies at all, but those people consider the police their enemies. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I got into some touchy situations there, and you don't know what to do. And I'm like, love. Love is the key. Love is the key. Just love them all. <laughs> Amen. 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 You know, and that, that is the key. You know, somebody asked me, is like, Chris, what's, what's the one thing you learned, you know, being down in Nicaragua? What, it's so much different than being here, being in a third world country. I said, it's not any different, really. I said, you know what, what I do and what these pastors do here, it's exactly the same. We love people. And it's that simple. You know, you love them, show them unconditional love, just like Jesus shows us. And because of the way you're treating them with that love, that, that, that grace, that mercy, it just draws people. It does. And, and love is the greatest thing. It really is. Um, so, you know, we had a, a very successful, you know, Christmas project. And the Lord even opened up another door for another school while we were there. So now we are ministering to over 3,000 children a month in the public school systems. And it is just an amazing, amazing um, privilege and favor that God has given us. And we do not take that lightly. Um, our staff has grown to 12 people. Um, so we are excited about that. Um, and we don't pay. We only pay two of our staff members. The rest are voluntary. And in order to try to help them and also help our team in the ministry we um, send them to English University to to school to learn English and uh, so we have six of them in English class right now and that costs thirty dollars a month per per person so we're really stepping out on faith we're trying to pour into them um, a Nicaraguan minimum wage is about a hundred bucks a month Okay, give or take, and that's falling. If they know English and they can get a job in one of the call centers in the capital, it goes up to $500 a month. So, I mean, it's a big difference, and it's a big benefit. Plus, when we have teams come, and Carmen and I need them, and we need them to be praying with people from the team, they are, if they can speak English, they are more valuable to us. Um, so it's a win-win for everybody. Um, so, you know, our staff, they're, they're, they're really an amazing team. We're also still in the nursing homes, and because of your giving, we were able to give over a month's worth of supplies, food and supplies, to the elderly, our grandparents. You'll see a couple of them in there um, in, in the video. Uh, Leanne was able to pray with a lady that's 102 years old, and she loves the Lord. And, you know, an awesome testimony from her, Leanne was praying. Leanne's my daughter, by the way, sorry. Some of you may not know. I have a six, We have three children. Two of them are in college, and, and one of them is, is still at home. My 16-year-old daughter, she, she goes, still goes with us to Nicaragua. And uh, she was praying with this, this elderly lady. And the lady said, you know, I woke up this morning at 5 o'clock, and I was praying uh, uh, to the Lord saying, we need supplies. We need food. We need somebody to come. 
And we had no idea you were even coming today. And then God sent you to us. And she said, I know my God supplies all my needs. And it was really neat to see her faith and to see uh, her tell that to Leanne. And then Leanne's faith, you know, a 16-year-old, you know, she has faith in the Lord. But to hear that testimony, it just it boosted it. So it's really cool. So our nursing homes are, are doing very well. We're ministering to them. Um, we're going to start hosting teams again this year. We're stepping out on faith. We feel like it's safe enough. Um, we're not going to take large teams. We're going to try to keep it under 15 people for sure, but we would like to keep it more like a 10 people. So if you guys are interested and you want to start talking about it, um, we do feel comfortable. And I think we already have one or two teams lined up for this summer. Um, so if you're thinking about it, you know, I, I suggest everybody, no matter the age, go on a, on a missions trip. You know, you really don't realize how wonderful we have it. I always tell my kids, you know, if there's one thing you learned by going to Nicaragua, you learn that we live in the greatest nation in the world. We do. No matter who the president is, we have a constitution that protects us, and we live in the greatest nation in the world. We are blessed. We are. Um, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Oh, the school project, back to school. You guys have given to that um, upcoming in March. We're leaving March 7th to go back. Um, we are having our back to school project. We're going to be giving 500 kids uh, school supplies to get them back into school this next year. So be on the lookout on Facebook. If you don't have our contact information, I have some cards. We're on Facebook. You can follow us. And uh, if you feel led to give towards the school project, we need your help. Um, we're trying to raise $5,000 for that, and uh, we're, we're excited. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead, and I'm going to be quiet for a minute, and we're going to watch this video. When we're laying on our deathbed. You're not going to worry about how much money you had, how much power you had, how much prestige. You're going to see that that was all game, that that was all an illusion. The only thing that's going to matter is the impact you had on other people's lives. We are all on a separate journey. But the beautiful thing about our life here on this earth is at my funeral, they ain't going to talk about my success. Success is incredibly important, but even more important than success, it's having an impact. It's knowing you haven't walked the planet in vain. It's knowing that because you've been here, you've blessed lives, you've developed people, and you have made the world a better place. The effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Everything you gain in life will rot and fall apart. And all that will be left of you is what was in your heart. Life is a mirror. And life gives us not what we want, Life gives us who we are. When you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. like to put on the full armor of God. 
and they're just so excited to see us. We're so excited to see them, and we know God's going to do a, a miracle in the next week and two weeks while we're here uh, with the Christmas project. These are some of the kids that will receive, and uh, we're just blessed. So thank you all for everything uh, you're giving, your prayers. We appreciate it so much. Huh? That's what you're doing in Nicaragua. You know, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we give food? Why do we, you know, play silly games and let them put things on our face and act goofy and dance like a clown? Why do we do all that? Because it's a tool. It's a tool to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about a Savior that loves them, to give them hope that there is hope to the hopeless. And, you know, that, that's why we do everything we do. It, it has nothing to do with anything more, anything less than just telling them about Jesus. And that, that, that's our key. One testimony I did want to share with you that I, I had forgotten. Um, we were coming up out of one of the villages after ministering and doing the pinata stuff. And a lady ran over and she was... She, a neighbor of one of my staff members, and she grabbed him and said, can you guys come and, and pray at my house? So we went in, and we started to get the whole story. This is a, a probably 12 by 12 shanty on a dirt floor, and there's a makeshift bed in there. It's not even a real bed, um, and there's a young man laying on that bed, and he has a tube going into his nose, and it's a feeding tube, and uh, he's just skin and bones. And the father began to tell us the testimony back in May, shortly after the crisis started in Nicaragua, the police started searching for this young man because they heard that he was leading some of the protest, which wasn't even true, but they, they were told that. So the police were out for him, and they found him, and they, uh, they put three bullets in his head, and they left him to die. And this young man was 31 years old, like I said, and... They took him to the hospital two and a half hours away in the capital. And the police, even right now today, have threatened all the doctors and hospitals that if you help or treat the opposition, then you will either lose your license and you won't be able to, to operate as a doctor or, or, or work as a doctor in this country, or we may even throw you in prison for helping, for aiding and abetting the enemy. 
So they let this young man lay in a hospital gurney in the hallway with three bullets in his head for eight hours, just waiting for him to die. That's what they were doing. And a doctor walked by, a lady doctor walked by, and the Lord spoke to her and said, you're supposed to help this man. So she went to the head of the hospital and said, I'm supposed to operate on this man. The, the head of the hospital said, okay, how many people do you need? She said, nobody. I'm doing it all by myself because I'm not going to put anybody else in jeopardy. So she did what she could. She, I don't know if she removed the bullets or, or what, but she did what doctors do, and she helped people. And to, after she was done, they sent him back. Now, mind you, three bullets in the head. This guy shouldn't even be alive. Laid in a hallway for eight hours, shouldn't be alive. The Lord has a purpose for this young man. So we get there, and they want us to come in and lay hands on him. And I laid my hand on his leg, and I'll never forget that feeling. And it was just like a bone. I mean, he was just, he had lost so much weight, not being able to eat, not being able to get out of the bed. And I just said, Lord, you have a, a plan for this young man. And we prayed over that family. Carmen prayed with the sister, and we prayed with the father. And we just asked, God, you know what's going on. I mean, what do you say? What do you say? I don't know. I, I have no idea why God spared this young man's life so long, other than the fact is he's got a plan. And I don't have to know. All I have to say is, Jesus, you're in control. Comfort this family. Heal this young man. I don't, I don't know what your plan is. But that's the, that's the reality, and that, that's we've heard stories, we've read news reports, we've heard from our team, we've had our team FaceTiming us and seeing the, the shots going off in the background and the bombs blowing up because of all the fighting, but I was able to touch the situation then, and it, it was life-changing for us, and that's why we're there. That's why we're there. So I want to talk to you tonight about limiting God, taking the limits off. We put so many limits on the Lord. How many of you have been to a baseball game, Reds game or otherwise? Okay. And how many of you know that when a foul ball is hit into the stands, people go nuts. They lose all control. They become a totally different person and they do anything they can to get that foul ball, don't they? They, I mean, they climb rows, jump seats, step on their kids' heads. They don't care. They're going to get that foul ball, right? They, they do whatever it takes. Well, God promises us that we have blessings coming from him if we are faithful to him, right? And if we know that's coming, just like that foul ball, shouldn't we be doing anything we can to receive those blessings from the Lord? I mean, what, I'll step on my wife's head to get a blessing from God, right? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, she just looked at me like, you're walking home. <laughs> no, but seriously. I mean, if we act like maniacs for a baseball, why shouldn't we be acting like a maniac for God? I mean, you know, Robert Morris says all the time, this is pretty cool, that we give to get a lot of times when we should be getting to give. When we look at giving in the offering so this church can be warm and the lights can be on and we can give to foreign missions and we can do things for the Goshen Police Department, we should be wanting, we get to give. But a lot of times, and even a lot of pastors, unfortunately, have it mixed up that if you give, you're going to get. And we really have that blessing really mixed up. I want to look at Psalms chapter 78. I got a couple scriptures that we're going to go through here, but... Um, in Psalm 78, it's talking about the Israelites, and, and they're, they're wandering, and they're complaining, unfortunately, like they did best. But in verse 41, it says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God, and limited the Holy One of Israel. Some verses and translations, some translations, instead of the word limited, use vexed. And the word vexed there is defined like anger, made mad. And the word limited there is to cause pain. And it hurt God. And, with, you know, they turned back after everything God was doing. They turned back and they, they, they were complaining. And they were limiting him because of all their complaining. 
one thing I, I was looking at at the beginning of service when they were running the announcements and different things, it was talking about real faith on, on, your, on your screen there. And part of this is we have faith and we have worship. How many of us know that they're connected? Our faith and our worship are connected. Do you understand that, right? Real faith and real worship or true faith and true worship, they're for God. They are for God. And if one of them are, is out of place, it affects the other. Would you agree with me on that? So if you are truly worshiping the Lord, but you are really lacking in your faith and you're doubting some of the things he can do, is your worship really true? And then vice versa. If, oh God, I know you can do it, I can do it, but you're worshiping the Lord with not so much faith, then they're, they're not working. What keeps the limits off of God? What, how do we limit God? How do we keep the Lord from giving and doing everything that he has for us? Well, the first thing is doubt. Psalm 78, 17, it says that they continued in their sin. Why did they continue in their sin? Because they were doubting God. They were doubting what, what the Lord was doing. And so many times we're like that too. In Judges chapter 6, how many of you heard of Gideon? Gideon was an awesome man of God. He really was. And I relate a lot with Gideon. And in chapter 6, the angel comes to Gideon and tells him that the angel of God comes to Gideon and tells him all the things that God's going to do. That he's going to be a great warrior for the Lord. He's going to conquer the people. And when, when God says he has taken you to a place, how many times has God spoken to you and you're like, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, when God told me um, I was going to be a missionary, I believed him and I heard the calling. But then after a couple days, few months, I was starting to say, well, maybe not so much. But when God says he's taking you to a place, we limit ourselves. You remember the past, what you, your mistakes, your failures. You start remembering all the things in your past that, that uh, have kept you from getting closer to God. We come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. And think about it. Like with Gideon, when the angel of the Lord came, Gideon was like, well, and we do the same thing. Well, my dad did this, so I can't do that. My grandfather did this, so I'm not worthy to do that. And, you know, God didn't go interview your family before he called you. He didn't go interview your brothers and your sisters before he called you. He didn't go check your Facebook page and say, well, let's see how they're doing on social media before I call them. He didn't do that. So stop limiting yourself. He called you. We are all called. So the first one was doubt. Number two is lack. We operate in lack. How many of you heard of the prodigal son? Okay, the prodigal son, when he comes back to God, or, or comes back to his father, he, he, his father runs and gets the fattened calf for the party. You know, he's like, I'm going to get my best. We're going to have a blast. This is going to be so awesome. But right away, the son's like, no, 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 just, I just want to, I'll be your slave. I don't care. I just can't be doing what I was doing before, you know, wallowing with the pigs. I, I, I can't do that. I'll be your slave, but I just want to come home. So automatically, he's operating in lack. You know, his father wants to bless him with this fatty calf, great party. And he's like, no, 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 I don't deserve that. So he's operating in lack. We limit ourselves by just getting by, just doing enough to get by. And you know, the funny thing is, I've read this word. I've read the book of Revelation. Hopefully you have too. I know it's preached in this house, but we start from victory. We don't start from lack. We don't start from defeat because guess what? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what, I know what the end says. We win. We win. If you're a child of the Lord, we win. We're victorious. We know how it ends. Just like with the prayer of Jabez. Lord, expand our territory. We are victorious. And that just doesn't mean in your finances. That means in every area of your life. Every area of your life. Expand our territory. 
The third thing is fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, I just recently told Carmen about this, but when we were called to be missionaries, I, I believed it, and, you know, it wasn't until about six months before we left, and Carmen was at a prayer meeting at Kim's house and Mike's house. Do you remember? Okay. So Carmen was there about six months before we were supposed to leave, and, huh? Okay, well, up until that point, we were talking the talk. Yeah, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going. I was a homebody. Trust me. I was. I work all day, come home, get my remote. I'm good. I love the United States of America. I have no desire. Carmen was called as a missionary as a, as a young girl. And so this was something that the Lord has always been stirring in her. Uh, it wasn't until the year 2000 that the Lord really spoke to me. But up until this point, it was just talk. And then all of a sudden, we got plane tickets. It's like, uh-oh, this, this is really, really going to happen. And this fear started to creep up inside me. I'm like, Lord, you're really doing this. And Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Exceedingly abundantly. God gets furious because the Israelites kept complaining, turned their back, putting limits. We do the same thing. That we lose the ability to see all that God has for us. And all he can do. We put limits on him. They were putting limits on him. And we think, you know, a lot of times we think he needs us. We do. We think he needs us to uh, feed the little boy in the, in, in the video. That he needs Tom to go down to the police and talk to the police chief about, about God. He doesn't need us. He doesn't. He uses us. And when he created us, he created us. Let's, let, me, let me put it this way. The word awesome is overused. Overused. God created us unlike the animals. Have you ever seen an animal look at a sunset and say, wow? Have you ever seen an animal look at a, a sunrise and say, wow, look at that sky? If you look around, everything God created is a wow factor. It gives us this awe. Anything God created, you can get lost in. Well, we're part of that creation, aren't we? That there's a wow factor. Think about it. Our fingerprints. Wow. None of them are alike. How many people are in this world? Snowflakes. We've seen a lot of them, unfortunately. None of them are alike. The galaxy, the stars, none of them are alike. If God took the detail and time to do all of that, what does he think of you? Does he put a snowflake or a sunrise above you, whom he gave his only son? What does he think of you? You were created for that wow factor. Our praise should be expecting. And not everybody's is the same. Because guess what? You weren't there when God healed him of cancer. You weren't there when God healed him from addiction to drugs. You weren't there when that mama's prayers were answered. So many times we're judging and we're not understanding things. But he has done so much for me. How can I not praise him? Take the limits off of God. Look over your last year. Just think about it in your mind. All the things God's done for you in 2018. The protection, the provision, everything he's done, in the answered prayers. Now stop and think, 
because there's at least that many, if not more, that you don't even know about. That he did without it. He answered those prayers. He protected you from things that you don't even know about. Those are the only the things you know. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask. He has a plan for your life. And we've got to quit limiting what God does in our lives. I was just a small part of my testimony. I was in a church in Georgia in, in about 18 years ago, right? And there was a brother preaching. And Carmen knew she was called to missions. She knew it. But she also knew how I was. I was a homebody. Well, this church had a missions conference. And she had been. It was a three or four day conference. And the Lord had stirred that fire back in her. And as they were preaching one night, I was in the deer stand hunting. It was in October. So I was not going. So Carmen is, is sitting there. And a message came forth in tongues. And then the interpretation was, I called you as a little girl or a little child. I called you long ago. My calling in you has not changed. You are still called today. And she knew it was for her. And that fire was rekindled inside of her. And she said, but God, I've got this husband. that <laughs> He's a mess. Trust me. I can't go minister to anybody with this guy. You got a backup plan? No. Thankfully, God is bigger than the boogeyman. No. God is bigger. He is bigger. And she came home, and I knew she was all fired up, you know. I, I, I come in out of the deer stand, and she's just she got to tell me something. But she knew. If she said, I'm caught in the mission field, you're coming with me. I would be like, you're crazy? Get out. I would, no way. God gave her wisdom on how to deal with me. They came up with a plan to, to bamboozle me. So what, what she did is she said, will you please come to the mission conference with me tomorrow night? Please. I was like, well, you know, it's the rut. I want to be in the stand. Uh, please, just come one night. I said, okay. So I went. And there was a, a missionary there speaking. Um, from Asia area, and his name was Dwayne Jones. He's since been with the Lord. Thank you. Uh, you can tell. Excuse me. <laughs> Mike, you're a good man. So there was a missionary. His name was Dwayne Jones. He since went to be with the Lord, but he had two pairs of shoes with him, and one pair of shoes were of Rachel Scott the girl that was killed in the Columbine shooting. Um, he, she was told to renounce Jesus or she would die. And uh, she, she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And she was shot and killed. The other pair of shoes were Mark Buntain, who was a missionary to Calcutta, India. And he was caught by some people in India, and he was told to renounce Jesus Christ as his Savior or they were going to kill him, and they killed him. These shoes were the actual shoes that those people died in. He had connections, and however he got them, I'm not sure. But he's preaching a good word, and I'm just, I'm, I'm hearing it. It's good. He picks up these pairs of shoes, and he slams them on the pulpit. And he says, these people died for Christ. These shoes are empty. Now who's going to fill these shoes? And the Holy Spirit said, you are. Right at me. And my life's never been the same. So the Lord has moved in us. He has used us. This year it will be seven years. We've been able to persevere through a lot, a lot of challenges. But I've just said, God, if you've called us, I'm not going to limit you. And that's what I'm here to tell you tonight. He's called each and every one of you. He has. Like I said, ordinary people. But you all have extraordinary callings. Don't limit the Lord. Stay with me tonight. Tom, I know, I don't know how you normally end service, but I just feel like I want to pray. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly, I, 
I feel like I want to ask you if anybody's, um, well, bow your heads. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you in spirit and in truth. Real worship, real praise with real faith in real church. God, we thank you for that. It's not a coincidence this church is named that. Tom and Beth, they understand that we've, you see us just as we are. We want to be real with you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. And Lord, as I was giving those testimonies, as Carmen was testifying, as the message came forth that you gave for this congregation, Lord, you started speaking to people. You started stirring people's hearts. People that have been making up excuses, have put limits on you. They know that you've called them. You've stirred something in each one of our hearts. And Lord, as those words were coming out tonight, Lord, their hearts were being stirred again. That fire was being rekindled. Just as it was for Carmen when that missionary spoke, when that word came, the fire is getting ignited again. It's not too late. It's not too late. I don't care if you're 18 or 118. You answer prayers. You use your people. If we have breath in us, you use us. So, Father, I just ask right now for the ones in this, in this area, in this church, that feel like they've missed it, you tell them, you speak to them right now that they haven't missed it. It's not too late. Father, I pray blessing over this church and this congregation to continue to win the lost, to show people love outside of these walls. It's real easy to be inside the building and show love. But what you've called us to do is be the church in the community, to be the light of the world, to be the salt. Father, we thank you. We thank you for everything you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord. God, I pray for boldness and courage over this congregation right now, that they are not operating in doubt, they're not operating in lack, and they are not operating in fear. Because those you have called, you give confidence. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And whoever you call, you provide. You give the provision. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for this congregation. And I ask for a blessing upon it. And I, I pray the ones you've spoke to tonight will move. They will move in power. Because you're going to do exceedingly abundantly in their lives. And they're going to look back and say, wow. That wow factor. Wow. God, we thank you, and we bless you, in Jesus' name.